I don't know about you, but I do some dumb things sometimes. I was uh, driving down 168th Street not too long ago with Martha. We had been out to eat somewhere. Came to the intersection of 168th and Q Street. Now, if you're familiar with that intersection, there's a light there that has arrows. So if you're going to turn from the left-hand lane, you have the right-of-way. You're going to have green arrows. So we came up there. It was dark. And uh, the light turned green. Arrows. And so I started to go. And the car across the way from me who did not have the right-of-way, came across. And, you know, it was one of those kind of things where, and Martha says, Jim, there's a car coming. And I did what I usually do in a Christian way. <laughs> I honked the horn at him. It wasn't just a beep either. It was a good, healthy honk. So I honked at him, and he drove past and uh, Martha said, uh, do you know that's a policeman? <laughs> I said, I don't care. <laughs> he broke the law. I felt like Barney Fife running down the street, you know, citizens arrest, citizens arrest. But she said, maybe, maybe he's on a call. I said, he didn't have his lights on. You know, he would, if he'd been on a call, he would have had his lights on. The entire way home, we looked in the rearview mirror. She kept saying, <laughs> is he following us? <laughs> we do dumb things sometimes. Some are self-inflicted and some aren't. And as Franklin said, I'm sure you've noticed a lot of evil in the world. I was reading in Genesis the other day and came across this passage. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. And that, and listen to these words. Every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. That's pretty bad. And that's the kind of world we live in. But there are some things that happen to us that we really just don't have any control over. How do we deal with the evil world? What, you know, how do we deal with natural disasters? How do we deal with life itself? And that's why I've chosen this topic today. Savior or Lord. Jesus is indeed our Savior. But is he our Lord? We sang a bunch of songs this morning. I don't know if you realized it. Did you hear how many times you sang and I sang Lord, Lord, we come before thee now. We sang all kinds of songs about Lord. And we like saviors, but we're a little put off by lords. You see, saviors save us. But lords, we have to follow. And Jesus is our Lord, and that has some major ramifications for us. I love the passage that we read earlier from Jude. 
to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without finding fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages now and forevermore, amen. And if you watch the news, and again, Franklin alluded to this, there's not a whole lot but bad news. And I've gotten to the point where I watch very little of the national news and I, I watch the, the local news just to kind of know what's going on. But you see those stories really basically fall into four categories. And the first is disasters. Right now we have a war that's going on in Ukraine. The sites are ugly. There's just disaster everywhere. There was an earthquake in Japan just recently. They have tsunami warnings everywhere. You got to be careful. There are floods that go on, snowstorms every morning. If you watch uh, the Today Show, you know, 85 million people are affected just by weather. The second is just crazy people doing crazy things. You probably saw the story of the man who preyed on homeless people. He would just walk through the streets. They have video of the guy, New York and Washington, D.C. He would walk down the streets and see these homeless people. They even have video of him taking his gun and just shooting one of them. And he killed several that way. There are just nutty people around the world. And, and invasions, we've already mentioned this. Things going on, the disrupt, disrupting of millions of innocent lives. Where there's sickness and disease. We've just come through a season of COVID. How many of us have been affected by those who've had cancer? Or someone you knew had cancer? Or even heart problems or strokes or other ailments. I have a friend of mine, a friend of ours from northwest Arkansas, who you've prayed for with ovarian cancer. I mean, you know, why did this happen to her? Which leads us to our fourth thing. And that's death. Tragically, someone dies. Gotten the point where in my life, you know, some movie star dies and, and you go, oh, well, my goodness. And the kids say, who's that? <laughs> None of us goes untouched by death. So what does this have to do with Jesus being our Lord? Well, I'm glad you asked. We're going to spend the rest of our time in the book of Mark. Turn to Mark chapter 4. Starting in verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go to the other side, leaving the crowd behind. And they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were other boats with him, and a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion, and the disciples woke him. And said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up and he rebuked the wind and said, quiet, be still. 
And the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? That even the winds and the waves obey him. Now you've got to understand, there were some seasoned fishermen in this boat. They more than likely had been through some of the storms that they were experiencing at the moment. And so, you know, it's not as if these people are in a boat and they don't know what to do. But evidently, the storms on the Sea of Galilee are just as it's described here. They're quick, they're severe, and, and from what I understand, the Sea of Galilee is rather shallow, and as a result of that, when a storm comes up, when winds come up, the, 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 the water will just be unbelievably choppy. I've experienced this myself. Been in a boat fishing and on a shallow lake, and a, and a storm blew up, and man, it just bounces you all over the place. And these people are afraid, and Jesus, for goodness sake, is asleep. And they finally wake him up and said, Lord, you know, we're going to die. And again, let me say, these are seasoned people in this boat. Some of them are. They're even afraid. Jesus gets up and quiets the storm. They say, don't you care? Don't you care if we drown? The next story is in Mark 5. Starting in verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. And Jesus got out of the boat. A man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. And this man lived in the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore. Not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. And night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said, come out of the man, you impure spirit. And then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside. And the demons begged Jesus, send to us among the pigs. And allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. And the herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down a steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told them about the pigs as well. 
And then as the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region, and as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed asked to go with him. We could continue to read some more, but this guy was public enemy number one. They chained him. They bound him. His family couldn't control him. The public couldn't control him. They had chains on him. They chained him up like an animal. And there is speculation that he may even had a family. He just lived out in the tombs, out in the cemetery. It's an amazing story, isn't it? You know anybody that ever lived out in the cemetery? If you did, you'd say, gross, it's terrible. Let's read the next story from Matthew 5, this time starting in verse 21. And when Jesus had again crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake, and one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she may be healed and live. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, had spent all she had, and instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And at once, Jesus realized that the power had gone out of him, and he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you, his disciple answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? Jesus looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith is healed. You go in peace. I don't know much to say about this woman. It's just interesting to me as I I picture this story in my head that these people are just crowded around Jesus and she she comes up and just says, if I can just touch him, if I can just touch his garment. And he says, who touched me? And his disciples are incredulous. They're saying, Lord, look at all these people. And you're asking who touched me? And she was healed. The last story from Mark chapter 5. And while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? And overhearing what they said, Jesus said, don't be afraid, just believe. And he didn't let anyone follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leaders, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. And he went in and said, why all this commotion and wailing? 
The child is not dead but asleep. And they laughed at him. And he put them out. And he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went into where the child was. And he took her by the hand and he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around because she was 12 years old. And at this, they were completely astonished. And he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. And he told them to give her something to eat. We could read more and more and more stories. We could go into Jesus' life and you could see this happen over and over again. And so the question I know that you may be asking is, why in the world, Jim, did you ask these questions? Why did you read these scriptures? Have you ever had a storm in your life? You ever been where you didn't think there was any way out? That everything was swirling around you? And we say, God, God, I know you won't give us more than we can bear, but that's not really true. If you look in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it says we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. There it is. In those times when we think we can't make it through anymore, the storms of life that are raging, we ask those questions. Lord, do you care if we even die? Jesus says, all I want you to do is to rely on me. I want to be your Lord. I want to be the one that you come to and seek shelter. We've already talked about the darkness in the world. And if Jesus can take a man whom everyone was afraid of and make him a follower, what can he do with you? Or what can he do with those out there who have no interest, who seem to be bound by the chains of this world? Because he was Lord, he made a difference. In fact, the guys wanted to go with Jesus, and Jesus said, no, I want you to stay here and tell others what God has done for you. What about healing? We pray and we pray and we pray. And sometimes our disease is physical, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes we have cancer of the soul. Sometimes we have a heart disease of the worst kind. And our desire to follow him is gone down the tubes. But he can heal that. What about death? It's interesting the scripture talks about those who have gone from death to life. Oh, he may not be able to, or I won't say not be able to, he may not bring that loved one of yours back to life again, but he may bring someone who is spiritually dead back to life. You see, Jesus is Lord of all things. He's Lord of the disasters. He's Lord of the demons. He's Lord of the disease. He's Lord of death. 
And so why doesn't Jesus do something about it? Well, let me give you a reason or two. You remember the children of Israel? They had all kinds of things available to them. God saved them from the most powerful army that, has, that was of, of the day, the Egyptians. He, he brought them across the Red Sea right before their very eyes. The water split and they were able to cross on dry land. They were led by a pillar of fire and a cloudy pillar. They had water coming out of a rock. They had manna. They had quail. They had all kinds of things available to them. And yet they continued not to believe. Why was that? Because he wasn't their Lord. And you say, why won't God do anything about this? Sometimes I think it's because how much good would it do because we're heart, our hearts are so hard anyway. And in John chapter 3, verse 19, Jesus said, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Sometimes we have no idea. No understanding of why something has happened. And that's why we have to trust him as our Lord. We have to come to the point where we say, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I'm not there. However, I know that you are in charge. I know that you are in control. I know that you're still on the throne. And I trust you completely. Remember that he is the Lord. There are things that happen that we have no idea what is ahead in our future. There are things that we look at and say, why did this happen? And we always talk about vision being 20-20 hindsight. And we can look back and say, ah, now I see why God brought me through that storm. I saw a, a quote not too long ago, and I thought, this is so good. It says, why is God bringing me through these deep waters? And the answer was, because he knows that our enemies can't swim. And what we have to understand is even though he is our Savior, he is also our Lord, and we must trust him completely and fully it's a hard lesson it's a hard concept but I'm begging you that's one we must accept our shepherds and their wives will be in the back we have selected a song to sing for your encouragement it's, it's purely an invitation to you to respond to the lordship of Jesus Christ to follow him and to trust him. And even when things don't go the way that you think they, they should go, that you say, he is the Lord, I will trust him. I will do what he says. I will not curse his name. I instead will sing praises to him, even in the eye of the storm. Perhaps that's your call today. 
Perhaps you've been called to follow him and to allow him to be your Lord. I hope so. If you want to be baptized into him, I would encourage you to do so. If you're struggling, our shepherds are in the back. They'd be more than happy to pray with you. We'll pray with you as a congregation. Whatever your need this morning, would you come as we stand and sing the song that we have selected?